I'm going to steal. Okay, more fairly, I guess I'm sharing since I'm citing and giving him proper credit. I'm going to share Rabbi Pfeffer's joke from later in the episode. A rabbi and a mom and a pastor walk into a bar and the bartender says, what is this? Some kind of joke? So we didn't all walk into a bar, but this episode is something like that. A rabbi and a mom and two pastors in conversation with each other, in community with each other, real deep, sustained friendship. What a beautiful conversation that I'm so thrilled to be able to invite you into. Welcome back to the Zycast. What is this? Some kind of joke? I love that line. It's a fantastic line. And it feels so descriptive of so much of my life now. I'm aware I'm not the most likely person to be doing some of the things that I'm doing, uh, especially on the interfaith side, but what a gift it is. Um, the, the strange paths that you take to know the people that you know and to have the friendships that you have, to overhear the conversations I get to overhear. It's, um, it's such a special season of my life in that way. And I've been eager to share some of the work that I've been able to do here through the DePaul Center for Spiritual Life, some of the folks I've got to know, some of my most formative experiences really have been with these people in these months. So what's happening here in this interfaith conversation, which is a semi-official dialogue, uh, there's going to be a series of these, they're going to be ongoing. I think what you'll hear is that this is a very natural extension, very organic extension of what's already happening in community between us, that we really are friends and we love and respect each other, as I'll say more about. And I just can't wait to be able to explore some of these bigger questions and ideas with them and for you to get to know this particular cast of characters a little better because they're all very special to me. Very tempting to get the cart ahead of the horse because there's so much I could say about each of them and the stories have side stories that um, fascinate me. I could spin into those for hours, but I want the conversation to be the thing. I want to drop you right into that room. So just before I do that, let me just set them up for you this way. Rabbi Bruce J. Pfeffer was born in the Bronx, New York. Um, he actually was an engineer before going back to school, becoming ordained as a rabbi. Uh, he's worked as a chaplain uh, in hospitals. He has served a number of congregations and universities in our region. He just came into uh, DePaul in the fall, so more new as well. What a gift he is to our community and being able to be friends with him and to be in Shabbat services and be around for holy days and take all that in, soak all that in, uh, Rabbi Pfeffer, uh, you'll instantly fall in love with him. And Imam Ahmed Alamin. Oh, I have such a deep love for my brother, uh, born in Chad, raised in Saudi Arabia, currently living in Indiana. Uh, Sheikh Ahmed continues to travel around the United States and across the globe visiting mosques, businesses and religious institutions. 
founded in 2020. Alamin Academy is currently based in Indianapolis. The Academy's mission is to bring hope, build confidence and leadership in the younger generation by teaching easy, authentic, and relevant Islam. Um, we have such a soulful connection. I can't wait to have some conversations just between the two of us, because uh, I really want y'all to be part of that dynamic. He's an extraordinary person uh, that I can't wait for you to get to know. Speaking of extraordinary people, uh, my experience at DePaul has been this rich and wonderful in no small part because of the Reverend Dr. Maureen Knudsen Langdock, who is our university chaplain and associate dean, dean of spiritual life here. What a fantastic human. She is a wonderful preacher. Um, she inspires me as a colleague. Um, the, it, it's such a gift in this season of my life to be able to do this work here together. And uh, I, I just, I know y'all are going to love her. I'm already trying to coax uh, Chaplain Maureen to do a lot more of these conversations on the podcast. But uh, she provides leadership and strategic direction for spiritual and religious life here at DePaul. Her scholarly work focuses on ethics, moral formation, cultural criticism, and Wesleyan theology. Her recent publications include, she edited a volume, you might have heard of these folks, in conversation with Samuel Wells and Stanley Hauerwas. It's a great book, read it last year, fantastic. Of course, I'm also a disciple of, of, of Hauerwas. It's so, such a special project. Uh, also practices of resistance, how not to respond to the lockdown. Maureen earned degrees from Greenville College, uh, Duke University, where she has an MDiv with a certificate in gender, sexuality, theology, and ministry in King's College, London, where she has a PhD, a recipient of a Fulbright grant. She is ordained United Methodist clergy and a John Wesley fellow. Maureen lives in Greencastle with her husband, the Reverend Brian Langdock, who I also dearly love. Uh, funniest human being that I know. And the fact that we get to do this together and the things that we're able to do at Gobin, good grief, y'all. We're having so much fun. And uh, Greencastle's unique little place. Y'all need to come visit and hang out with us. I'm just saying. They have four children who I also deeply love. And again, the um, the kind of community that that we have together and being able to be under her leadership here uh, at the university is just uh, been life altering already. So definitely excited about uh, the Reverend Dr. Maureen Knudsen Langdog being a regular feature here on the Zeitcast. I'm trying to twist her arm to do this a whole lot more. But let's jump right into the room, y'all. One of the things that I think you'll hear that I know I loved about this conversation is that you've got folks reflecting on the treasures of their tradition, but also reflecting in a vulnerable way uh, about the ways that we've struggled within our tradition, which I feel like is such a wonderful way to start a conversation. Uh, hey, here's what we bring to the table. Uh, also, here's the thing that I've struggled with while being at this particular table. Here's a challenge that I've had. Um, so, Beautiful conversation. There'll be many more uh, left to come. Thank you again for being here on the Zeitcast. Let's roll right in, y'all.
together through Wednesday afternoon. Um, I think we want to say out of the gate, um, first of all, it's such an honor to be able to do this with my friends. And um, I promise I'm not slandering you. I was uh, telling uh, Imam Amin earlier, I've, I've been doing some writing lately where I've been reflecting already on just their relationships with both of you and uh, being here with the course with uh, Chaplain Maureen. Um, I guess I'll, by way of of introduction, I'll just say this. Rather than, since our time is short, I can go back and add more of a formal introduction later. But one of the things I was thinking about that's so wonderful for me about being able to have this conversation with the uh, with the three of you is that while each of us, of course, come from our own very particular traditions and expressions, um, without question, if I personally felt like I was needing prayer, guidance, counsel, uh, was flat on my back in any way. Uh, all of you are people that I would trust to steer me, to pray for me, to give me wisdom. And that's one of the things I love so much about what's happening at the Center for Spiritual Life right now is I feel like, you know, just very genuine relationships that are happening here uh, that, that run deeper than ideas. Um, so um, maybe just to, since, and again, forgive me for jumping right into the deep end, but since it felt like, we'll just make it, let's go. We'll just jump in this third minutes. I thought it would be fun if each of us reflected just a little bit, because I love the idea. Of, one of the things I love about the conversations we have uh, personally, I feel there's always such a, a vulnerability that's that's here. And maybe, well, I'll set this up this way, and then I promise I'm going to stop talking. So what my journey has looked like largely has been uh, being a product of the Pentecostal tradition. I always say like sweating, sawdust, like sort of Southern Pentecostalism. One of the things that's been so interesting about that is that for all the things about my tradition that are not, have not always been healthy, have not always been great, there was this sense early on of what in, in the language of my tradition would be a recognition of spirit. Um, and part of what's caused me to sort of transcend my own practice and part of where I come from, it's like, well, you like the people who taught me how to listen to the Holy Spirit. Well, then I, I started feeling that same sense of presence in people completely outside the tradition. And it's like, oh, that same tenderness, that same compassion, that same love, that same goodness, that same virtue uh, that I found in this way of connecting to God is absolutely present with people who don't have this kind of practice at all. So I always joke, like kind of with some of the folks where I come from, it's like, who I feel like are probably disappointed with me now. It's like, well, if y'all wouldn't have taught me how to listen to the Holy Spirit, then because <laughs> then you become like an accidental mystic, you know, it's sort of like you just see, you see the kind of the, the thing uh, beneath the thing and some of these intersections, which I love for us to explore today. Um, but I do find each of you to be such authentic and, and tender people. And I thought it would be interesting if we all reflected kind of out of the gate. I would love it if each of us could share a bit about something from your particular tradition that you love, that you cherish, that you think is something very unique um, that the tradition brings to the table. But maybe then also something that you've struggled with within the tradition, either historically or currently. Um I just thought maybe that would be a, a fun way of us all kind of starting with both like, yeah, here's this, here's something, the treasure we feel like we carry from the story that has produced us. But then also maybe, maybe here are some of the things that we struggle with from inside our own expression of that story. So anybody who would want to start with that. 
Sure. Prophet <laughs> Moses was first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, one of the things I treasure from my tradition, and and I'm not saying it's just Jews have that. My name is Bruce Pfeffer, by the way. Yeah. Rabbi Bruce Pfeffer. I'm a chaplain also, and I'm from the East Coast originally. I was born in the Bronx. I grew up in New Jersey. And I've been in the Midwest since 1995, and I've been in Indiana since 2006. Okay, there you go. All right. And so <clears throat> the, one of the things I treasure is the connection with the past and the future. Mm-hmm. And I imagine that is pro- that might just be a human thing. I'm not saying it isn't. Sometimes it's a melody. We have an expression, me Sinai, meaning from Sinai, as if. It goes back to Mount Sinai with the revelation of for, with Moses. Now, some of those things that people say, oh, that's the ancient melody, and it's actually, we know it was from 1974 or something like that. Mm. But, but it, but it, gets, it takes on the aura as if it goes back. But the Passover Seder, the Pesach, Passover is the English Seder, which is a, a service where we, uh, in the spring, where we remember the exodus from slavery. And we, in a sense, are reliving it. We are not actually reliving it, but it's as if we are. Mm. And I think about it because I know that my ancestors also had the same ceremony. And even I did as a child. And we drink four cups of wine or juice. And, and uh, my grandfather used to say, you have to have four cups. And my little sister, who is now taller than I am, I would say, Four sips are enough for me. And every year at Seder, I hear that same conversation. And that's like a microcosm of the big picture also. And so that's something I, I cherish. <coughs> the pandemic's been really hard on that. Because uh, when it first came, this was one of the first things we had to give up is getting together with the family. Yeah. Before and, and it happened right around the time when it hit America. So it was before the other holidays for most other traditions. I can't say all, but, and we had to, we found out we had to stay home, you know, and, and we did it in small groups and that's not so unusual. You know, it's happened before. And we had the technology like that, you know, and the zoom and other things, which helped us, but it stinks. But we have, but that's also brought up new great thing. Now something, what was the second part of the question? Uh, something that you've struggled with within the... Something I struggle with is the problem of evil. Mm-hmm. You know, that's really a big problem. And as a Jew, there are some Jews that believe in afterlife, but we don't... Most Jews nowadays that you will run into, and it depends, of course, we're not all exactly the same, mm-hmm. but, we, but we tend to focus on the here and now working towards a better future, but we don't look typically for the time when it's just going to like an afterlife, you know, where mm-hmm. everything's going to be fixed. Mm-hmm. So the problem of the theological problem of God being all good, all knowing and, and uh, all powerful mm-hmm. that they don't hold up. Mm-hmm. So that's the problem. And I'm willing to, me personally let go sometimes of the all knowing and the all powerful, but I don't want to let go of the all good, mm-hmm. you know. So that, that's that's what I'm gonna leave off because I that we don't have so much time. So mm-hmm. thank you for listening. It's beautiful. <laughs>
Who wants to go next? Thank you for sharing. So, you know, when you call, they will say your call will be answered in the order it was received. <laughs> Moses was first, Jesus was second. Just so you know, our calendar starts not with Moses, but with creation. That's why Moses, yeah. Well, when you were, you were sharing about Passover, I was thinking about the the importance of ritual and habits. And mm. right now um, in my Christian tradition, I'm particularly thankful for the season of Advent. Mm. So that's the season we're in the four weeks that are leading up to Christmas. Um, I'm grateful for this season of waiting and longing and preparing. And I love that there's space <laughs> in that season to, to name that things aren't the way that we imagine God wants them to be, you know, that, that the world is still hurting and sad. And I appreciate there's some space to sit with that, but also the, the understanding that Advent is an active waiting. So we're, we're trying to live into the tomorrow that we imagine uh, God wants to, uh, wants us to live into um, ultimately waiting for Christmas that God with us in any well, uh, and that, I, I, for me, that would be one of the things that I deeply cherish about my faith tradition, that this like mysterious belief that God wants to be with us, that God desires and longs to be close to us. And um, so relationships would be central and it, for me and would animate the things that I do. Um, and that would also be the part that I probably struggle with the most would be when that claim that God with us um, becomes misinterpreted or mm. is is in instrumentalized to suggest that that because God is with me, that means God is not with you. Oh, okay. And and because of that, you know that the ways that that sort of misunderstanding or perversion. Mm. has created all sorts of evil uh, yes. in, in the world. Yes. Um, and not only, not only by people who affirm that God wants to be with us, but in the name of Christ, right? Or, you know, because I am a Christian, I think these things or say these ridiculous things in the media or perpetuate these evils. And, um, and I, and I would hope that as, a white Christian living in the United States. I'm also struggling with my complicity in mm. in the ways that that has mm. has and continues to exclude people and hurt people and oppress people and, and harm people, yeah. which is not the way of Jesus. Mm. So good. Thank you. Seriously, right? Yeah. <laughs> I guess I'm the next Yeah, one. please. <laughs> okay. So um, uh, my name is Ahmed Al-Amin. I'm the Imam, which is equal to pastor or rabbi, um, uh, the religious leader. Uh, I became Imam accidentally. Uh, mm. One thing I promised myself, I would never be an Imam because my father was an Imam. Mm. And I did not like the way his lifestyle was because he, he was over-consumed by helping others, always mm. traveling and so forth. But... You know, you cannot run away from your faith. Yeah, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Exactly, but, <laughs> oh, I hated that. 
<laughs> I wish you'd flown really far, far. So, so I and I have been imam since uh, 2017, and I have been mm. in the U.S. since uh, I think 2008. Been quite a few years. Um, I, 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 one, one of the most blessing things that I learned in Islam is embracing, not only accepting diversity, but celebrating diversity. Mm. And the concept of a human relationship, uh, it's not like we're stranger towards one another. We are just one family. Uh, so the, my favorite verse in the Quran, uh, God says, uh, and I'll say it in Arabic very quick. Uh, all mankind, he didn't say all Muslims, all mankind, and the message is for an entire human being, uh, that we have created you first from male and female. That is the first diversity. Uh, this is a message to us that there is no war between gender. There is a male and there is female. We are here to complement one another. We are not here to compete with one another. So we are all in service of the earth that God had interest, entrusted us with. And then the second diversity, he said, we've created you into different tribes and nations. And he mentioned one reason is to get to know one another, not to discriminate against one another. And he says the best amongst you is the most pious and righteous one. And piety is hidden in the hearts. It can be manifested in our actions, but because it is hidden, and, and because God doesn't want us to discriminate against one another, even the single most important, which is righteousness and piety, it is in the heart. Mm. So people would not use it to discriminate against one another. And uh, uh, so the concept of diversity that uh, presented in this verse in the Quran, it just to me, <laughs> It's an example how we should maintain our lives. Mm. He didn't even talk about faith. Now we use faith to fight one another. Um, we, we racism, and we believe that racism is honestly the first sin that was committed, and it was committed by the devil. When he said, I'm not going to prostrate for Adam because he was created from clay, and I'm created from fire, and fire is better than clay. That's what we say. Uh, that is uh, the story is in the Quran, and uh, that's why I really always tell people, please let's celebrate and cherish our diversity, not only ethnically uh, and race wise, but even intellectual. Intellectually, we don't have to think alike. And if God wanted, He would have created just one single mind and shared. Mm. We will be like robots. But he decided to give each one of us independent ability to think. And he gave you both choices. Mm. He didn't force you to follow his path. So if God himself did not force you to follow his path, who am I to force you to follow my path mm -hmm. or God's path or in, on behalf of God? Yeah. Let him deal with it. Mm -hmm. And we should not be judged, people, because there is a day called day of judgment. And the judge is God himself. So that's why I always, you know, uh, um, champion the fact that if you are a human being, I care less about anything that you believe in or anything that you actually, where you come from, it doesn't matter to me. What matters to me, how you're interacting with me at this moment. Um, I, I can speak bad about my tribe, okay? Is that okay? Mm. Um, I was sharing much, earlier, <laughs> I was sharing earlier, um, almost half of what I, th I was taught about Christianity was wrong. Mm. And uh, 
to me, facts do matter. Just because someone is different than you, you don't have to trash them. And you cannot trash somebody else's religion to make your religion is beautiful. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. It doesn't work that way. And especially when it comes to Abrahamic faith, uh, uh, and you were saying this earlier. Uh, yes, they all come from the same source. Uh, the way I put it, uh, of the Bible, there's Old Testament. I know in Judaism we call it Torah, right? Hebrew scriptures. Hebrew scriptures. It's more than just the Torah. But keep going. Okay. Okay. Please correct me whenever I'm wrong. No, yeah, and, and then uh, we call it the Old Testament. Is it correct in English? And then there's New Testament. And we believe that the Quran is the newer testament. And that's why when you read the Quran, you will see a lot of similarities between the Quran and both the Old Testament and the and the uh, and the New Testament. In fact, the name of Prophet Moses was mentioned far more than the name of the Prophet Muhammad himself in the Quran. Uh, Prophet Moses was mm-hmm. mentioned over 130 something times, versus the Prophet Muhammad probably only four times. Um, Jesus' name was mentioned in the Quran more than Prophet Muhammad's uh, name. Anyways. Uh, so one thing I wanted to fight within actually the Muslim community is that, you know, please be accurate. And when you talk about somebody else, tell them the right thing. And when you, there is something fall or there is a mistake, have the audacity to say, yes, this is part of my religion and it is wrong. Mm-hmm. This is mm-hmm. how historically things are done and it is wrong. If we don't have that audacity, I think you are violating the principles of your own religion because God tells us in the Quran, If you say something, be fair. Mm. Even if against people who you actually think that there is animosity between you. The concept of justice is not only all the time we say, oh, we need justice, we need justice. Not only from government, we have to be fair ourselves. Mm including not only in action, but even in our words. So I hope that we correct a lot of uh, mm-hmm. misunderstandings, uh, mm-hmm. misrepresentations of other religions mm-hmm. in our world. And can I pick up from where he's... Of course. Yes. Of course. So you've, you've, you've come up with something that I've been thinking about a lot lately, for a while, actually. People love to... And I call it Hebrew Scripture because we don't think of it as old. Mm-hmm. So we yes. just call it Hebrew Scripture. Okay. Or, uh, Tanakh would be the Hebrew word which is an acronym, but that's another thing. So we have stuff in our Hebrew scriptures that's good, that's bad, and that's ugly. Mm-hmm. It's not whitewashed stories mm-hmm. that are all good. And sometimes I hear politicians talking about the uh, biblical marriage, they say, mm-hmm. biblical marriage. Mm-hmm. Well, if you look at so-called biblical marriage, you have Abraham and Sarah, <laughs> where, first of all, he has a second wife, Hagar, now she was a slave, so whether or not you call her a wife, that does not make it even better or worse, you know? And and Hagar is sent away. She comes back. She's sent away again with her son. This is all a mess. And then you have Isaac and then Jacob, Yaakov. Jacob has not one, not two, but four wives. Now, you, if you call the two... Uh, Bilcha and Zilpa, if you call them concubines, does that make it better? Yeah. You know? Mm. No, it makes it worse. So I, that that gives me good feeling that we don't just say, oh, it's a beautiful, perfect story. So we're being, we, we can be self-critical. Yes. Sometimes the rabbis say, oh, they make ex- up stories that make it better, but I'm glad we still have the original source, mm. which I don't always take literally, by the way, but, but nevertheless... You have it there, the good, the bad, and the other. So I just, you, thank you. Yes. yes. So I just wanted to add on 
to that. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing. And I love. Um, I am mindful of our. When do we have to stop? Well, unfortunately, like five minutes. So it's like we've we all got to basically say hello. <laughs> you know, th- I tell you what, though, and this is where so we'll say, and I, I do feel terrible, by the way, for not doing formal introductions. My thought was like, oh, we jump right in. I can tag that on uh, like a podcast later. But I just, um, part of what I love about this, because I feel like everybody, and I, this idea of being self-critical of your own tradition. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the things I think Christians do the worst in America, especially of more evangelical variety, is we're a very ahistorical people. There's this idea of almost like, you know, there was Jesus, then for some Protestant evangelicals, then maybe Martin Luther, and now there's us. <laughs> there's no sense of connection to history at all. So whereas I think Christianity at its best, part of the idea is that you start from a posture of confession, you start from a posture of humility. The important thing oftentimes about identifying with any particular faith tradition is you're also reckoning with the underside. You're reckoning with its faults. That's part of what it is to be part of a people, is you don't just get to cherry pick like the handful of things that you think are good and beautiful, uh, which I feel like where I come from, a lot of what we do, you know, it's like, oh, I'm just kind of a Jesus person. Well, no, actually you're part of a, a story and a history, and some of which is uh, is good and some of which is, is not good at all. Um, so I just, I love the whole trajectory of this conversation in that way. Um, Oh, gosh, I wish I just wish we had more time for this. I was laughing, thinking, Rabbi, the, uh, when you were, I mean, it was so beautiful the things you were saying about like the problem of evil. But uh, Maureen's husband, my dear friend, Pastor Brian Langdock, sent me this great video clip. There's this uh, British comedian. Uh, she was in the UK, but she's very. It's kind of like the Borat type of thing in that the people that she interviews don't know that it's comedy. So it starts very, and she's got a real, like, like a, 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 I don't know, BBC kind of voice. And it's very, so this, she had this conversation with like a theologian and, uh, <laughs> and you tell her he doesn't know like what it turns. Cause he asked what seems a very serious question about, uh, like I had a friend who called out to Jesus right before having this car accident, still had the accident. It was terrible. And, uh, uh, you know, hasn't been able to forgive God. It's like a very serious point about like the problem of, of evil. And and like he's trying to learn to be t- kind of tender with all this. And the response is, yeah, uh, my mate De- Dave said, if he ever sees Jesus again, Jesus Christ is a dead man. <laughs> That's the kind of stuff that she does. It's just very like, and you see the theologian like, not know whether to laugh or like argue. And it's just this great. <laughs> Rabbi, you, I would feel even if it's almost more closing, I've quoted you so much now. You have the best like Rabbi dad joke of a pastor, a rabbi and a mom walking to a bar. I don't want to steal your oh, punchline. Sure. The rabbi, you're both ministers or priests? Ministers, pastors. Yeah. Rabbi, the pastors, and the imam walk into a bar, and the bartender says, what is this, some kind of joke? <laughs> <laughs> it makes me so happy. <laughs> and it is, it's kind of like, you know, it feels like a book title. What is this, some kind of joke? Because I feel like part of the comedy of and beauty of this is that coming from such different places and spaces of what we've come from, the, like this sense of community that we have is so beautiful, but so strange. So I even love that kind of a little more seriously. What is this? Some kind of joke. It's like, <laughs> but because it's so, I really, uh, I feel like part of what's happening for me here is kind of getting to 
uh, sit at each of your feet and to learn and the way that I that I'm growing and encountering the divine. So I'm just so grateful for each of you. I'm glad we get to continue this conversation, yes, which we yeah. definitely will do. So thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, Rabbi uh, Pfeffer, by the way, if we go to the bar together, I'm going to ask for milk. <laughs> That's what makes it funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not going to drink either. I don't drink alcohol. Except for Passover. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Coming from the world, I did. I had. I didn't have a sip of alcohol until I was 25. But I. I feel like I've made up for a lot of time now that I've become a, a bourbon aficionado. So like, yeah. But Pentecostals traditionally, like, we're not like. Uh, we wouldn't be going in the bar either. There's some Christians that don't drink tea either. Yeah, that's true. So they're not even tea talkers. Right. That's right. Here you go. That's fantastic. <laughs> Well, I, I actually think this is a perfect way to wrap our time. Thank you all so much. This is amazing. I can't wait for a part two of this, but we can go a little bit.